Welcome to episode 12 of Continuous Quality Compliance. Today, I'm talking about Regulation 12, which is safe care and treatment. The intention of this regulation is to prevent people from receiving unsafe care and treatment and to prevent avoidable harm or risk of harm. Providers must assess the risks to people's health and safety during any care or treatment and make sure that staff have the qualifications, competence, skills and experience to keep people safe. Providers must make sure that premises of any equipment uh, used is safe and where applicable available in sufficient quantities. Medicines also have to be supplied in sufficient quantities, managed safely and administered appropriately to make sure people are safe. I will be talking about premises and equipment in a separate episode. Providers also must prevent and control the spread of infection. Where the responsibility for care and treatment is shared, care planning must be timely to maintain people's health, safety and welfare. CQC do understand that there may be inherent risks in carrying out care and treatment. And they don't take it uh, that providers are unsafe if they can demonstrate that they have taken all reasonable steps to ensure the health and safety of people using their services and to manage risks that may arise during care and treatment. However, CQC will refuse registration if providers can't satisfy them that they can and will continue to comply with this regulation. CQC can also prosecute for a breach of this regulation or a part of it. So if a failure to meet the regulation results in avoidable harm to a person using the service, or if a person using the service is exposed to significant risk of harm, they don't even have to serve a warning notice before they prosecute. What do they mean by appropriate care and treatment? In their words, this is making sure that care and treatment is actually what the person needs, not over-treatment, unnecessary care or treatment, or care or treatment that is disproportionately involved or complicated. So basically, it needs to be fit for purpose. Personalised means that this is where the person using the service leads with choice being the defining principle in relation to the care or treatment provided to them to meet their particular needs and preferences. Person-centred care here means that you're putting the person who uses services at the centre of their care, treatment and support, assuring that everything is done based on what is important to that person from their own perspective. They also talk about preferences. This includes those relating to how people's care and treatment are provided or preferences about which provider they choose to provide that treatment. CQC also recognise that in some circumstances a person's preferences may be limited for example, if they're detained under the Mental Health Act. CQC are looking for risk assessments to have been undertaken 
so that the provider can show they have taken appropriate consideration in terms of treatment provided. They're looking for risk assessments relating to the health, safety and welfare of people using services. And these should be completed and re reviewed regularly by people who have the right skills, competence and experience to do a risk assessment. Risk assessment should also include plans for managing risks. Providers should consult nationally recognised guidance about delivering safe care and treatment and they should show that they're implementing this in an appropriate manner by uh, showing that they have assessments, that they have planning and delivery of care and treatment in place. The delivery of care and treatment should be based on risk assessments that balance the needs and safety of people using the service. And it also has to include arrangements to respond appropriately and in good time to people's changing needs. So that's where the key line of inquiry response, responsive would come into play. The other area they want to make sure is that the relevant health and safety concerns have been included in uh, the person's care and treatment in their pathway of treatment. So here you should be looking at allergies, uh, contraindications, things like that. Staff should also be following plans and pathways and should have standard operating procedures for specific treatments. So what happens is when I, when I find um, when I'm helping clinicians who are running a clinic on their own, they don't tend to have a standard operating procedure because as they tell me, they've got it in their head. But what I say to them is you should always write it down because if you have a standard operating procedure, in the event that something does go wrong, you can actually say this is what we follow and it's easier to show that if you have it written down. Not so easy if your standard operating procedure or SOP is all in your head. And it's really good practice because it really makes you think, makes you think of everything you do. But if you're a medical professional, actually, it's a, a good thing to have to show the appraisal officer when you have your consultant appraisals and reviews. If medication is being used, then medication reviews have to be part uh, of this and align with people's care and treatment assessments. And they should be reviewed regularly if the medication changes, if you're looking after somebody long term. The CTC are also looking for you to comply with national legislation so things like relevant patient safety alerts recalls and rapid response reports issued from the MHRA which is the medicines and healthcare products regulatory agency and through the central alerting system or CAS as it's um, called. CTC also want you to bear in mind that you should have policies and procedures in place for anyone to raise concerns about their own care and treatment or care and treatment of people they care for or represent. The policies and procedures should be in line with current legislation and guidance and staff should be following them. The provider should also make arrangements 
to make appropriate action if there's a clinical or a medical emergency. Medicines must be administered accurately and at suitable times to make sure that people who use the service aren't placed at risk. Staff must not only work within the scope of their qualifications, competence, skills and experience, but they should also be encouraged to seek help when they feel they're being asked to do something that they're not prepared for or trained for. CTC are also looking for staff to be appropriately supervised when they are learning new skills and aren't yet competent to do so. So what they're looking for here are that you're doing competency checks on your staff when they are learning a new skill. In terms of medicines management, they're looking for uh, staff who are responsible for the management and administration of medication to be suitably trained and they should be competent to do their role as well. And again, staff need to be following policies and procedures about managing medicines um, and also those that relate to infection control. You must make sure that your policies and procedures are in line with current legislation and guidance. And it's key that your medicines management policy covers the following. Supply and ordering, storage, dispensing and preparation, administration, disposal, recording. The other thing that CQC are looking for is business continuity. Because things happen, you sometimes can get really bad weather or whatever your utilities goes. So what are you going to do to continue with business? So what they're looking for here are, what are you, how are you going to respond to a major incident or an emergency? So the sort of things you're looking at here are uh, fires, floods, major road traffic accidents or major incidents. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review the podcast. Do subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes.